everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that today's episode is a video podcast. So if you're watching this on any other platform other than Spotify, you'll be missing a lot of the screen sharing and pictures and images that go along with this podcast. You can certainly listen to it. I tried to do it in a way that it would be audio um, compatible as well. But uh, if you want the full experience, either try it on Spotify or head on over to YouTube and go to the Mass Construction channel. And there you'll get the full experience with the code section showing up, pictures of the exit signage that we're talking about, things like that. So go ahead over there, check that out. And please, on this one, I would love some feedback. Do you like this style or do you like the old-fashioned audio only and maybe less code heavy? Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is a podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. Today's episode, we're going to talk about some code-related items, walk through the code itself. We're going to do a little screen share if you are watching the video. If not, hopefully things come through on the audio side as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Central, commercial carpenters and supporters of our show. So the intent is to talk some code items. We'll also talk... Uh, listener feedback and what was the last thing oh yeah manufactured sand i'm going to touch on a study coming out of china that i thought was interesting and relevant to some stuff we discussed in the past so first off was at a class that we were teaching uh, electrical uh, electrical systems electrical 101 type stuff there's two instructors mike Web weber and brian jasinski from gaston electrical and we always dig in on transformer vaults or electrical vaults while uh, we cover the basics of electrical systems and in that class floor level signage came up and then the topic came up of oh isn't there other places that required or isn't that coming in another code and there's always a lot of confusion around that and i spoke to mike yanovich here in the office and we were chatting about it and both of us had seen cases where floor level signing was required but it did not go in we weren't inspectors at the time or anything, so it's not really our business, but we would walk into space and be like, huh, this should have floor level signage. And I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, people think in Massachusetts, it's not required. They go to Las Vegas or something like that. And they say, oh, well, it's required over there because they see it in a hotel when they're traveling. That's what happens a lot. People see it in hotels and you'll see why in a second that is the case. So we're doing a screen share this morning. So first thing is we will take a look at where our floor level signs required. If you go to, now we're dealing with the 2015 edition, which is the, oh, I should be where I'm supposed to be first. Yeah, floor level, there we go. Um, which is the ninth edition here in Massachusetts, and that is the current code. But keep in mind, whatever state you're listening, you should find out what is the edition that is the, um, What's the word I'm looking here? The addition of record at the moment. So what is the what is the code in your community? So what's the uh, what's the right word for that? Current edition? Well, we'll get past it. So right here you're gonna see 1013.2 floor level exit signs in group R1. So where exit signs are required in group R1 occupancies by section 1013.1, additional lower additional, right? So that doesn't mean you don't need the upper ones. Additional lower level exit signs shall be provided in all areas serving guest rooms in R1 occupancies. What are R1 occupancies? 
hotels, motels, um, maybe hostels. They call like this was a congregate group areas or something like that. Um, basically anywhere where they're transient. Transient, I think the threshold for most cases, so if it's like a, um, if it's a hostel or something and it's less than 10 people, that doesn't count. But if it's more than 10 people, hotel, motel, anything where someone is transient, they show up, they're there for short term, and then they're leaving. So we're not talking about extended stay hotels. We're not talking about apartments. We're talking about short term uh, transient living. And then it gives you some details here on the height of the bottom of the sign. Um, and the big piece here is the sign should be flush mounted to the door or wall. Okay, so you can put it right on the door itself. We're mounted on the wall. The edge of the shine shall be within four inches of the door frame on the latch side, not the hinge side. So you can start to get into some issues where what if you got a set of double doors? What if, uh, like most hotel rooms, is not a much door, not, not a much wall space on either side of an exit door, and then you're putting it on the door itself. So those can be little challenges. But anytime you have group R1 you need those low level exit signs. Uh, there's also a bunch of other things you would need in that R1 occupancy, the illuminated tape on the treads and the stairwells and the handrails, things like that. But that's not just R1, that's um, a handful of other occupants as well. But we're just talking low level exit signs for today. So you read the base code, that's the word I was looking for before, the base code, and you would say that Oh, the only place I need them is R1 occupancies. But what is critical is we always need to bounce over to the Massachusetts amendments. So we go to the Massachusetts amendments and oh, let me pull up a side sheet instead, which I think might help us a little more. And remember, we were just talking about 10.13, I think we we're at 10.13.2, but 10.13.1.1. Add subsection as follows. Transformer vaults, in addition to having exit signs complying with section 1013, generally transformer vaults shall have installed additional exit signage such that the top of the sign is made. Long story short, they are saying you need low level signage in transformer vaults as well. So that's where you get into that little pickle, right? So we're great. We're in chapter 10, like we're looking at on the screen right now. Hey, I just need an R1, but you always have to remember, you have to go to the Massachusetts Amendments. You bounce over to the Massachusetts uh, Amendments, which would be 780 CMR, and that is going to tell you transformer vaults need them as well. So that was a bit of confusion that was out there in a class. Uh, where The class we were at was Delbrook, Gaston was teaching, and this came up, and I thought it would be a good time to do a little education on floor level exit signs and i found it interesting seeing that knowing i wasn't alone and i'm not being rude here i'm just pulling up my next thing uh chatting with mike saying yeah he has has experienced some of the same thing we're seeing that uh, low level signage and like i talked about those illuminated strips uh, are going into new construction even uh, or are getting missed in new construction and it's something i think where there's a gap out there in the code so ground level exit signs that is it for today on that front wanted to read some feedback that i got from a listener get lots of feedback and it's really great sometimes it's a sentence sometimes it's two sometimes that feedback is hey 
I disagree with your opinion on this. Or actually, I had someone reach out that disagreed with the opinion of a guest, and I'm not sure if they thought that they wanted me to call the guest on it. But um, that I thought was interesting. The gentleman and I traded a bunch of lengthy emails back and forth, and it was um, it was constructive. I have no problem if people reach out and they have constructive um, criticism. I love going back and forth on that all day. When it's unconstructive and it's just taking shots, you know, I don't really, I don't respond to that period. So it's not really worth the time. I'm not going to get upset over it. I just move along. Everyone has their thoughts. This one I thought was great because um, so much of what I'm doing here, what we're all doing here is about helping people to get better at what they do. And that not only includes PMs and supers and people in the industry, but it also heavily includes young people coming into our industry and i got this and I, I didn't reach out to ask permission so i'm not going to use the gentleman's name it says hello joe i am let's call him bill i am a sophomore umass amherst i finally caught up to the podcast after listening to each one beginning to end so that's pretty impressive to me they went back to the beginning and listened to every single one your podcast has taught me most of what i know about the industry from general language to specific details about code i was working on that code stuff Thank you for putting in all the time and effort while still making free content. I am a XYZ on campus and I listen during long shifts. I have a project management internship at Consigli, at Consigli this upcoming summer and mentioned your podcast with Matthew Consigli in the interview. It was a great way to prepare and learn more about the company. Thank you very much for everything. Keep up the great work. Best, Billy. So first off, Billy, Thanks for um, listening. And if you're okay with me sharing your name, just message me somehow and I'll, I'll be happy to mention your name. But thanks, A, for going back and listening to God, I started in 2018. So however many episodes that is, I should check one of these days. Um, but it's great that this individual is learning so much about the industry from the podcast and all the guests that come on. So every one of you that is listening that has been a guest or has recommended a guest, that's what this is about, right? There's this young person in the industry that's learning all this stuff. How much of us, how many of us really knew nothing about code coming out and this person as a sophomore and is starting to hear and the conversation in the industry and how code can become problematic and how you can work through it and how you really need to know it because it's the basis of how we built, right? We talked about in the past uh, chapter 17, special inspections. A lot of people had no idea that the reason we do concrete breaks and slump tests and rebar inspections and welding tests and fire stopping inspections and seismic, all that is because of chapter 17 in the building code. Everybody thought it was just, oh, that's just QA, QC, or that's what the uh, spec requires or something like that. But no, it's required by the building code. So, so much of what we do was required by the building code. So it's great that young folks are listening and learning about the building code. So I think that is great. Last thing I wanted to talk about was a article that I saw on manufactured sand. There was a, oh, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to, close out these windows. I'm going to go back to just the video. So there was an article that was posted and it was about a study around manufactured sand that came out of China. And I have some notes here, so I'm going to take a quick look at them. It was from Shandong. I'm going to probably murder this. Shandong University of Science and Technology 
Qidao, China. That's my best guess. The study was about manufactured sand, and historically, sand used in concrete has been dredged, or what they would call mined from riverbeds. But that creates two problems. One, we're running out of riverbed sand to mine. And two, it's horrible for the environment, because when you mine or scrape up the bottom of a riverbed, you don't just take up the sand, you take up an entire ecosystem with it. And that, for obvious reasons, is very problematic. We probably have no idea the true repercussions to the environment. And by the environment, that also means us. We have such a delicate balance in the ecosystem. So when we just start wholesale ripping up the bottom of riverbeds, when, and you say, like, well, how does that affect us? Well, does that affect the fish in the water? Are they not getting, not eating the uh, the right food because of that or their the algae gets removed and they they don't have the right diet and then we're eating fish that is uh, reduced in nutrients and things like that so it's such a delicate balance out there the minute we start wholesale just ripping stuff out what's the impact there so the two problems were we're running out of it we don't have the options and then it's just something that we don't want to be doing anyway so how can we get away from that. And I've been seeing lots of studies out there. You kind of, there's been this slow drip where all of a sudden you see, oh, we're looking at fly ash as a replacement for sand. We're looking at crushed glass for a replacement of sand, construction waste I've seen, and probably a bunch of other stuff that I haven't seen. But the long story short is that we need to solve this problem. We need to come up with a solution. In manufactured sand, as I read it, and what that means is that it's crushed, basically crushed stone is what it sounds like to me. Um, and it gets a lot more specific. I'll get to that in a second. But so crushed stone and there's a couple other products that they're looking at, but basically created sand seems to be working, but it didn't seem that it worked as like a complete one-for-one -one swap. It seemed like you start adding that to the mix right you and the compressive strength goes up but then as you add more of that manufactured sand the you know you start to there's a diminishing return and you might even start to see it go down i think if i'm not mistaken if i remember correctly um so it's not a full replacement you're probably still going to need some sand but if that can kind of chip away at it that's great we reduce the amount we need so not a wholesale replacement, but it helps move the needle a little bit if we can do that. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see which one of these things wins the day. Fly ash, crust glass, construction waste, manufactured sand. Everybody's trying to figure that out. Hopefully we get to a place where we have a good solution. Uh, if you're not familiar with what the problem is, because there's so much to it, please go back and listen to the episode we did running out of sand. Uh, with John Cribbs. It was January, what's my note say here? January 21st, 2020. And I will link it in the show notes as well. One last thing is, and I probably should have had, um, hey, we have the magic of editing. Let me see if um, I can. Micro plastics. And lungs. So, sure, I'll accept those cookies. So, there's a bunch of 
things floating around. I want to say I've had three people reach out to me. Doesn't say it up the front. I've had three people reach out to me and send me some sort of link to the story or a screenshot or something like that, that there's microplastics being found in the lungs. So people that are regular listeners know that I've talked a lot about plastics. Actually, let me go. have it handy this book right here by anthony j ester generation talks not just about plastics talks about uh, a lot of chemicals but the long story short is the plastics are um endocrine disrupting chemicals because a lot of the plastic leaches and then if you've been paying attention at all you're going to see that microplastics are being found in the rivers of the rocky mountains the north pole like it's it's everywhere it's really a problem and the latest place we're finding it is lodged in the lungs. Um, uh, you've seen, I've no, I'm only head, headline reading here, but um, they were saying, you know, the potential from pipes. Think back, we brought Andrew Welton on talking about um, SIP cast in place piping, which is the plastic line piping that they seal and the, all the problems that go with that. There's potentially issues with PECs. So they're saying potentially pipes is causing the microplastics to get in the lungs. I'm not sure, maybe like, or maybe if you're inhaling when you're drinking or something like that, and some of it gets in your lungs and it's so fine. Uh, there was someone also talked about the potential of masks. That seems to make a lot of sense because think about how much even, so when we're saying cloth masks, right? A lot of the clothing that we wear, whether it's polyester or all these other synthetics, those are plastics. So if we're wearing a mask that has plastics in it, or maybe that filter has some plastics in it, and we're breathing that all the time in, that's getting into our lungs, and who knows what the downstream effects is that. So this is all just uh, speculations. I haven't read any of those studies, but uh, enough people have sent it to me that, hey, microplastics in the lungs, we don't know what the downstream effects are. There's a lot of research about plastics and the negative effects they have on us, whether they're in water bottles or wherever. But long story short is that's kind of alarming. And there's enough mass construction listeners that reached out to show me that article. So they're probably not alone. And I was interested to see it. And I figured you might be interested to hear it as well. So as usual, thanks for listening. Please share, write a review on iTunes. That goes a long way. I really appreciate those two. When I read that, someone takes a couple minutes um, through the Anchor app, and I think you have the link on most players as well. You can go ahead and leave a audio message. You can leave a donation, and then just go on social, like, share, spread the word. I've been trying to add more content to the YouTube channel, so this is my little um, plea for help. <laughs> I guess help isn't the right word, but you know what I'm getting at. Um, if you can in any way support the show, spread the word in the way you see fit. Maybe that's just telling a friend. Maybe that's writing a review. Whatever it is, I appreciate it. I would love to start trying to hear people use the audio option to leave that audio message because that way I can just clip it, add it into the show, say, hey, here's what so-and-so says. This is what I think about that. What do you think about that? It sparks a conversation. Thanks to that young gentleman that listened to every episode and congratulations on your internship. That's great. That's what we're going for. Appreciate it. Take care.